Welcome to the Mission Guys podcast, where we talk about anything related to leading transformation in the church. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop, and we are missionaries at Acts 29, and it's our hope that we can help you as church leaders, as leadership teams, as leaders of families, and leadership practitioners to more effectively mobilize the church to achieve its mission. All right, so this is the first of a three-part mini-series uh, where Rick and I are just going to take a deep dive, a leadership deep dive into what we call the three essential principles for transformation at Acts 29, right? So this is, these are principles that we believe God's given us to give away to the church. And this is going to be a practical and we pray immediately impactful application of these principles for you as a leader, for your leadership teams. But as always, we're going to begin with prayer. All right. Sounds good, Nick. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we first thank you for especially leaders, leaders in the church, leaders in families, leaders in schools. We thank you for their saying yes to the mission you gave them. We ask that you be present with us today. We ask that you be here with Nick and myself and everybody who's listening with us today and that 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 you bless this conversation so that it may edify and impact those leaders so that they can carry out the mission that you've uniquely given to them and to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All right, so Nick, as the first official employee of Acts 29, I know that <laughs> yeah. Father John Ricardo, Mary Girl Fly, they're the founders, and Father John's a founder. You were the first employee. This is help, true. <laughs> help us all understand how did these three essential principles come to be? Yeah, that's great, Rick. I'd love to. And, and let's, let's just name them right out of the gate so everybody can all be right. really clear. All right, let, let me give it a shot, all right? So, so the first essential principle of, about transformation yeah. in the church is number one, whether you're the leader, you're the leadership team, you're the broader organization, the parish, is you have to reacquire a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. That's the first essential principle. We'll talk about that today. Yep. The second one, which will be part two of our mini-series, is that it's not enough to be a staff. So if you're working in church ministry, you're on a team, or you're working in a school, or you're in a family, it's not enough to just punch in and punch out. Not enough to be a staff. You've got to be a highly effective team. And further, because highly effective team, as good as that is, yeah. that's not biblical. Mm-hmm. We want you to become, and we believe the principle is become a family on mission. Right. Right. The third essential principle is to be docile to the Holy Spirit because God has the plan. It's not about our brain power and our wisdom, though we may have some. It's that like God has a plan, and it's ours to discern. So the principle is follow God's plan. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in the third of the miniseries. So these principles, did I get them right, first of all? You, you, them, you nailed it. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I can learn. I can learn. All right. So how did it come about, though? Yeah. What, what makes them so, uh, why are we so convinced that they work? Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it's so easy to forget because we take it for granted. These things, these three principles are not like steps. They, they work together. They're at, we call them an alloy. If you take one or two without the third or the second or whatever it is, you just won't see the transformational impact they can have. So that said, the history is really this. You know, Father John was, uh, before he asked 29, he was, he was the pastor of a parish, Our Lady Good, Our Lady Good Council, 
Plymouth, I've Michigan. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. You, you, I was Have a, you? Yes, I live there. Yes, okay. Rick was That's a parishioner there, okay? So there's a lot of family connections <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. So Father John's the pastor there. He's, he's, he's pressing into the gospel, pressing into his gifts, pressing into preaching. You know, um, at one point, just keeps building this this great team, great great people surrounding him, and they experienced a, a tremendous transformation there. It was beautiful. It really was. I mean, we don't have time to go through all that, but it was incredible to see. Exactly. So, so all this transformation takes place without sharing the story of Acts twenty nine because that's not this episode. There's another one probably. Acts twenty nine gets founded, and as we start to do some ministry together thinking we're going to start ministering to priests because we have this deep passion to just minister to clergy. Um, We're pressing into, okay, Lord, like, what are you trying to show us? What are you trying to teach us from the things we've learned through our collective experiences as a team at Acts 29, but especially Father John and and team at Good Counsel. And at the end of the day, it was like, here's these principles that started to emerge. We didn't call them principles yet, but these, these kind of these themes, like, because we did, we weren't interested, and this is key. We weren't interested in trying to like duplicate a parish. Yeah, we were interested yeah. in seeing clergy get renewed, the church get transformed. And so, as we were praying through this stuff and experiencing it ourselves, we started to realize there's some themes here that are emerging. As we prayed through it and kind of just kept walking that path, it was like there's principles here for transformation. So, you, so my understanding, yeah. you tell me if I'm wrong. So, you said. It worked there. It worked a good counsel. You started doing it in Acts 29. It, we, we were already pressing into it and started yeah. to verbalize what we were doing in Acts 29. Yeah. It said, okay, look, this is working for us here in Acts 29. Maybe this applies more broadly. Maybe there's something broadly. Maybe there's something that can work for others too. Is it an anomaly? Is it a one-off? Or is it something that could potentially be universal? Yeah. So as we walked that journey, we kept codifying further and further and further. And we felt like the Holy Spirit said, much like, and to be sure, we're not this man, St. Ignatius of Loyola. Much like the Lord gave St. Ignatius for both himself and others yeah. dis- rules for discernment, for understanding God's will in someone's life, we said, the Lord's giving us something yeah. at Acts same. 29 to give away to the church. Yeah. So St. Ignatius gets these rules for discernment. He gives away to the church. We're saying that in a, in a small, similar way, we have something we can give away to the whole church for its transformation. We don't pretend that, you know, um, we have all the answers, but we do right. believe this isn't an answer to a lot of people's seeking, how does the church get transformed right so now? So from that, so, okay, from that. so that's the history now. Four years, fast forward, yep-ish, four years. Now, I, I've joined you not too long thereafter, yep. right? So now I'm with you. I've been able to witness, and, and we're convinced it's beyond. It works. Right? We love that, saying that, right? We love saying These work. These work. And we have never run into a, whether it's a presbyterate, whether it's a bishop and his leadership team, whether it's a, a, a chancery, you know, a staff in an in a organization yep. that we work with. Never has it said, oh, these don't make sense to me. So we're convinced right. they work. I mean, is that that's safe to say? We're yeah, it's safe to say they work. A gift. And, and at the same time, too, it's safe to say... Um, there's a lot of ways you can go about doing these principles. So again, we're not trying to duplicate yeah. something, but they're at the principle level. They're principles. And, and so that principle, like physical health. Yep. We say, okay, physical health. The principles are, as we all know, yep. easy to know, hard to do, is <laughs> eat right, get your sleep, eat well. Yep. They're principles. The way you do that varies 
you know, across the board, right? So you have to live out the principles. It's up to you. They're not, they're not a process. They're not a program. They're not prescriptive. They're not theory. But what they are is they are a journey. They are principles. They're practical. And as you said, they work. So let's get into it. The first essential principle. Yep. Again, for its, its leadership. All you out there that are leaders, leaders in your church, leaders in your family, leaders in schools, we, the first principle is it's important, it's critical to reacquire a biblical worldview. So what does that even mean? Yeah. The, the, the scriptural passage, right, is Romans 1.16. The gospel is power. So the, the, at the heart of the biblical worldview is this gospel proclamation. And it's the power of God for the salvation of men. It's not the messenger. It's not the herald, the one who's preaching it. It is the message itself. It has the power to give salvation. And that is the kind of the fundamental. If we get that, we have begun the journey to reacquire the biblical worldview. Yeah, great. There's a great quote. And, and I'm not like a big fan of the person who said it. It was a French poet. But what she said was, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if, if we're broken, if we're skeptical, if we got problems, mm-hmm. we see the world that way. But if we are in Christ, if we're close to Christ, and we are then able to see the world as Christ, at least closer yeah. to as the world really is, because he's the only one that sees it perfectly. Amen. We see it with baggage. We see it, we're clouded. Right. I mean, most of us, we, we see with these Catholic patches, right? Like you picture like your, your brain and the view you have. It's like patches of Catholicism, of biblical worldview kind of around there. You know, so, so maybe, maybe the, 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 the average Catholic in the pew, this is not degrading. This is just acknowledging. I mean, I've been there myself <laughs> more times than I'd like to admit. Like you go to mass on Sunday, you kind of know it's important. You know, Jesus did something really important for you. You quasi understand it. And then after Sunday mass, you, you kind of check that box and you kind of move through your week. And yeah. And then, and then it's the competing voices, right? Like my job's really important. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to try to be back successful to work, there. Back to the grind. Yeah, exactly. You know, my kids are in sports, yeah. won't be successful in that, yeah. or music, or whatever it is in school. And and you kind of chase the kind of chase your tail all week and then back to mass on Sunday and you know, rinse, wash, repeat. And you don't integrate these things. The biblical worldview principle is all about seeing things as much as we can, deepening as they are, yeah. according to that sense of yeah. who God is. What he's done for us in the person of Jesus, namely rescued us from powers we can't compete against, sin and death, mm-hmm. and then our response to what Jesus has done. And it's like when we start to just live that way, we see things through the lens of the crucifixion, suddenly our whole lives begin to change. We don't, we don't just kind of go through the motions anymore or have a patchwork understanding. We start to have a deeper integration of oh my gosh, I'm a son of God and I'm starting to experience what that means. It's just not an idea. That's actually like who I am. And now I, because of that, that means I live differently. I see the relationships. I mean, this is so important. I see the relationships I have differently. I treat people, even when they're treating me poorly, I treat them 
with kindness and yeah, love. Right. I mean, this is a this yeah. is a radical shift. Now, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, well, it's not common. Even it's not common. N- another quote. So I'm risking like I love quotes, but I don't <laughs> honor all the people Rick who the said quote, it. Man. <laughs> but there's another quote, and I'm not even honor the person, but it's a beautiful quote. It says, "The Bible is the great synthesis where everything becomes meaningful and everything receives its right place." Mm. Right. It all fits. So the Lord's been putting in my heart more recently is like about even the struggles or even your history or your mistakes in the past, like it all fits, right? So if you say my biblical worldview, it all comes together. It all has its right place. Nothing is wasted. And with that understanding, you're then able to process things. I'm a quick, quick story that I just had. I've got this, uh, you know, having my house redone. I'm doing some work and so we've invested like, tens of thousands of dollars in this project so far. And all of a sudden my contractor like ghosts me, no answer, days. He's supposed to show up with material, not there. And I'm just wondering, you know. And there so was wait, this, hold on, you've given yeah. this guy money. Oh yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden he just disappears. Disappeared, no, and, and, he, and up to then <laughs> okay. he's a, and, you know, and I, and I believe a good man, yeah. you know, and yet he's gone, days, doesn't show up. I call his phone, it says up, oh, voicemail's full. And that's always a scary message, right? And, and like for days, you know, and in the past, he might yeah. show up and say, so I challenged myself, but you know what? I had more peace than ever. Now, I'm not perfect, believe me, but 10 years ago, I would have hunted that guy down and, and there would have been an issue, yeah. right? And I would have not slept well. Yeah. I'd have been angry. I had no anger. As a matter of fact, I was thinking, I hope he's doing okay. I really hope he's doing okay. I hope I can help him. What if I have to, you know, loan the guy some money? You know, and I was thinking that, and I was like, thank you, Lord. I really, thank you, Lord. I had my weak moments. But I felt good that with a biblical worldview, it's like all this fits somehow. Well, thank God I prayed. He knocks on the door. And, you know, there was a long story to it, but he's doing fine. It so, turned out okay. Through, yeah. but, the, but the, like you articulated it well, the point is, before you saw more biblically, you would have sought your own interest. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and, yeah. and you just said, Anger, my concern not right. Was, he's challenging me, screwed me out of money, right? Yeah. And now your response is, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's the biblical lens. And it, now, here's a, here's a, when Rick, you were talking, yeah. I just felt like the Lord wanted to call to mind for any lay leader and especially member of the clergy who's listening right now. The, the temptation is, once you've become a disciple, and you are trying to lead people to Jesus, you fall. You will fall. I fall. You fall. We fall. And then you're tempted to believe. Satan puts that before you. Well, now you're disqualified. Because you didn't know in ignorance before, but now you do know and you still fell. So you're disqualified. You're out. But what does the biblical lens say, Rick? John 21. This is a meditation we love to do at Acts 29 on priest retreats. Jesus restores Peter. He called Peter and he saw his whole life and he still said, Peter, I want you to come follow me. Knowing Peter would deny him in his hour of need and he still called him. And then when he raises from the dead, he says to Peter, do you love me? So John 21 is a great meditation for us as Christians who have been following Jesus who fall and we do and we will, unfortunately. Right. And yet Jesus still called us and he's calling us again. He's taking us deeper. So I just want to say to anybody who's struggling as they hear this. Right. Like the biblical worldview says 
there's always more. There's always hope. There's always deeper restoration. Jesus never gives up on us. And he's always saying, yes, my son, yes, my daughter. I see you as you are now. And I still say, yes, you're mine. And yes, I'm going to use you. So that's the biblical lens. God's never done with us. So one more point worth making. If you're sitting there saying, okay, I'm, I'm hearing this. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in growing in the biblical worldview. I want you to consider something. You're, you're inundated every day. And being impacted, regardless of if you want to admit it or not, we're being impacted by the secular worldview. There's other worldviews out there that are non-biblical, even if we're not aware of it. And, and, and we're being impacted by what we watch, what we read, what we listen to, our relationships we have, the conversations we have with people. As Christians, if we really are honest with ourselves and we stack up, if you could just pretend on it. Here I am on a table right in front of me. If I could stack up all the hours... I'm spending being impacted by non-biblical worldviews, movies, shows, music, media, relationships, conversations, next to the pile of hours I spend really pouring into, talking about, conversing about, praying through a biblical worldview, Mm -hmm. most of us would have to admit that pile of impact of the secular or non-biblical worldviews, probably a lot taller. Yeah, Yeah, it's hard not to. And and I think the way the culture is now is, is, is more and more. It's, you know, any, whether it's media, entertainment, it's, it's not from a biblical worldview. Right. right. So you're, it's just more and more of that. So you're exposed to more of it just naturally, even if you just happen to walk by it or listen to, you know, randomly on, on uh, media. That's exactly it. So, so we have to, we have to look at those two stacks of time and just honestly say, okay, Lord, help me start to reorder my life more and more, deeper and deeper to pull that stack of secular worldview other worldviews yeah. down or, or increase the time of spending in a biblical yes. worldview. and learning. Now, it's not to ignore what's going on in the world. Absolutely not. Right? right. Not at all ignoring. Right. But it's understanding it within the biblical worldview. Amen. It's Amen. Like there are issues. Absolutely. Right? There, there, there's probably, yeah. yeah. So we're just cognizant what's forming our minds and hearts. Yep. Going from Catholic patches to a, to a, a biblical worldview. Rick, you have, you have a great, honestly, you have a great personal story about this about the difference the biblical worldview makes and becoming deeper and deeper in it. I somewhat reluctantly share this because I, I don't want to make it sound like the story is that great, but I, but I think it might be helpful to people who are in a similar situation maybe that I that I was it's, in. Your story is very relatable. Okay, and so so uh, you know my my background you know started in in my worldview was. It was around kind of success in the world. You yeah. know, it was like, this is what success looks like. It started with athletics. And I, and I love athletics. They helped me form who I am. And yet it was, it was, admittedly, it was too much a big part of my life. Yeah. It drove my life when I was younger. And then I got into the corporate world. And I worked in, you know, Fortune 15 company for almost 30 years. And, and it was this success of uh, career and success mm-hmm. of now... I, I've been a Catholic my whole life, but it wasn't driving my life. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have one of these where I hit rock bottom kind of stories. So, and yet at the same time, it was a very common story of perhaps lukewarm, uh, even even like warm to almost hot. Yeah. That, you know, uh, the Lord was a big part of my life. He was not driving my life. And, and so... I remember, so we talk about our, our, our brother, Father John Ricardo. I was a member at the parish, and I, I'll save the, the long story, but I do remember vividly where I was at this point where, 
you know, I just, my career was going great and I'm making money and I can kind of project, this is how the next 10 years of my life will go, mm. 20 years and, and I'll make more money and, you know, the world would view me as successful and my kids were good and my wife was good and we're in a very wealthy type community and, um, and I, knew, I knew there was still something unsettled in my life. Yes. You know, I wasn't unhappy, but I wasn't fulfilled. I was like, what is my life all about? So this worldview was all around, quote, success. And I remember Father John started his homily one time, and he's talking about, hey, he goes, man, are we, you know, I just remember he was talking about, are we blessed in this community? And he talked about the education our kids are exposed to. He talked about, you look at our, our homes in this community, wealthy area. You, you look at our careers. You look at the intelligence. You know, you look at, um, uh, you know, so kind of all these, what the world would view as success. And he said, are we blessed? And, and, and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. I, I, amen. I'm so thankful. So it was like it, it was a message of gratitude. And then he turns it and he said, so why do I every week, almost every day, mm. talk to people who are broken, broken marriages, pornography addictions, um, uh, 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 financial disasters because they want to keep up with the neighbors? Um, um, yeah, again, adultery, all, you know, all this brokenness, depression, mental illness, kids on drugs. He, why is this happening in this community? Mm. And mm -hmm. and I and I'm listening. I'm, I'm like, yeah, preach it, Father. All those people <laughs> need to hear this. He was. I watch. I watch these frantic lifestyles. I see people yeah. that have sports constantly. My kids are great athletes. My wife was a great athlete. We're into all this stuff, you know. And I'm like, preach it, Father. They need to hear this. They need to hear this. And then he. I was almost like he looked at me. You take your time, bro. All right, I'm just so grateful. Yeah. So it was almost like he he turned to me, and I feel emotional because it was so powerful, right? Yeah. That he, you know, he, he's like, and he, and it was almost like then it was like he turned to me and he was almost like, for what? What's this for? For what? I remember it's like for what? So and now all of a sudden it's like, oh wait a minute, it's about me, you know? I was like. Oh, oh, you're talking to me, Lord. And it was true. I didn't have the answer. For what? Again, it's not a it's not a rock bottom thing. I wasn't doing anything illegal, but it was like my life was not fulfilled. My worldview was about success, success, success in the worldview, not success in the view of the Lord. A biblical worldview. It didn't all fit. Yeah. All right, so it started my journey that I am forever grateful. And I'm just, uh, that's why I love to, I love to be here. I've been reflecting recently on that whole journey. And then it, and then it turned into, I, I'm blessed. I was with a company that was a fantastic company. They enabled me to retire young there. And they enabled me to do what we're doing now. They enabled me to be able to start this journey and, and go ahead and from how does it all fit to fulfill my mission in our collective mission. Now, I'm not saying people who stay in corporate America aren't fulfilling the Lord's mission. Don't get me wrong. There are people who are fulfilling the Lord's mission Amen. They're in corporate America. The world. They're doing it all over. There are those with money. There are those without money. 
are those are dirt poor fulfilling the mission. There are those with money fulfilling the mission. So I'm not going to judge them in any way. And so there's the parable in Luke 12, uh, the parable of the rich fool, who that has been weighing heavily on me. And that was this idea that, you know, that the rich man basically said, hey, I've had a great harvest. You know, what am I going to do? I'm going to tear down my barns, build bigger barns. And, and then the Lord said, you fool, you're going to die tonight. And that means a lot to me. And, mm-hmm. that, and that, so as leaders that are out there, it's like, all right, are we, our worldview and our view of success, is that driving us in the proper way? That if we died tonight, would we be fulfilled mm-hmm. and would we be living the, the mm-hmm. Lord's mission? All right, that how it all connects, whether it's career, family, friends, the things we're reading, the, 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 the media we're watching, etc. So anyway, that's my story, Nick. Yeah, uh, that's beautiful, it's, brother. And, I don't and, know if it help any others, but it's, I, I'm so thankful to be here and do what we do and fulfill that, what I believe I'm called for even more in the mission. But all that built me to be able to be where I can be right now. So it's not like that was wasted. The Lord wastes nothing, as we always say. That's right. He uses every single thing. Right. And so that's what this biblical worldview is about, and it changes the way we see ourselves, the way we make decisions, the way we live in relationship with others. On a practical level as a leader, it changes the way you approach ministry. Yeah. So to get renewed by this, to go deeper into it, to hear it for the first time, I pray everybody gets this opportunity. So now let's get really practical. So what do we do? So I'm a leader. I'm listening to this podcast episode. Hopefully it's been helpful. And I want to go deeper. So a few resources and then a practical how-to. So first, so Acts 29, we have this um, resource called The Rescue Project. It's an experience of the gospel. For those of you who live in this world, it's not a charismatic encounter. It is the charisma. Father John preaches the gospel, created, captured, rescued, response. We would highly encourage you to go to therescueproject.us. I assure you, I think it's changed my life, I know. It's changed Rick's life. It's deepened the, the impact of Jesus on our lives. Go check it out. Experience the Rescue Project. That's a great resource to go deeper in this biblical worldview. A second resource is the Christian Cosmic Narrative. This is a book we've published at Acts 29. Uh, one of my dear, very dear friends, she said it really well. She said, this is the book I've always been wanting to read. Yeah. That just helps me make sense of my life. Yeah. It is yeah, the biblical the worldview narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? it's beautiful. Yeah, so really so it's this really is a cool. tremendous resource that yeah. you can read. So pick up the book, The Christian Cosmic Narrative. So the, there's these great resources that... Our, our recommendation as you as a leadership team, yes. if you're on a leadership team, is be sure you pick a resource and you do it together. That's and the key. That's very practical. Do it together. Talk about it together. And then you grow together. And then your strategies are aligned with, you, you have a common view of what's happening. Yeah, so, so as a pastor, as a bishop, or as a lay leader, you grab your team and you say, hey, look, there's more than what we've shared today on resources, but let's let's go experience a retreat or a conference together where we can experience the power of the gospel, or let's watch the Rescue Project and follow that format, or let's read the Christian Cosmic Narrative and discuss it week in, week out. What's the Lord saying to us through this book? What are we experiencing as we read this? It's very simple, but it's very powerful to go through a process where you're just praying together, discussing what's God doing as you read these things. One more example of, of, of how to make this practical, if you will, in addition to retreats and conferences and, and, and books, which are very important. One more way is just to simply ask the question, 
what is the Lord doing in your life? It's worth pausing here to say. Simple question. This is the mission challenge. Yeah. This is the mission challenge for this episode. What's the Lord doing in your life? I, I love the exercise. And again, do it as a team. The growth, first of all, stop, pause. It's a reflection for you, yeah. for me. Yeah. And we say, what's the Lord doing in my life? We don't ask that question. Of, I, I don't. Enough. And because that then places you, as, yeah. as that quote earlier, it was like in the Bible, it's like everything has its right place. Yeah. So you pause and say, wait a minute, what's the Lord doing in my life? Where am I situated in the world right now? Right. You know, what? what, what is right? What's the Lord doing in my life? Yep. And then share it with each other. What a bonding experience. We just did it. Right? We, we just did, did it. We did it yesterday. Very powerful. And yeah, team it's, stronger it's, because and of this, it. And this team, this family we call it, is already really tight. Yeah. And they just yeah. went another level yeah. deeper. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yep. Because when we get the chance to share what the Lord's doing in our lives vulnerably, we have this opportunity to just grow together, to learn from one another how God's moving. We get to see Him moving. And it's, it's affirming of how He's moving in our life. I was moving in each other's lives, and it makes us human. Our challenge to you as a leader is to pray with Jesus right now or in the hours and days ahead and just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me what Jesus is doing in my life. Process that yourself and then go. And we challenge you, be vulnerable. Share it with a friend, someone close to you, Ideally, it's your team. Ideally, your team is, you're willing to press in with your team and say, let's go deeper together. And mm-hmm. all ask this question together mm-hmm. and share the answer together. So that's the mission challenge for the week. Right. And before we get to closing prayer, yes, yes, closing yes. Prayer, contact information for us. We love your feedback. We love your comments. We love your suggestions. Please send us an email at the mission guys, right? The mission guys all together at acts29.org. Now the catch is always, Acts 29 is A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org. The Roman numerals. (laughs) So the mission guys at acts29.org. Send us anything, recommendations, thoughts. We really appreciate it. Nick, close us in prayer before we send everybody off. That sounds great, brother. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the gift of your son Jesus and the rescue mission to just save us from the powers of sin, death, Satan, and hell. Right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to fill, especially our brothers and sisters, our priests and our bishops who may be listening to this, with the courage to ask the question, Lord, what are you doing in my life right now? Holy Spirit, come now. Move in power. Show us what Jesus is doing in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Nick. All right, that's it for episode three. Go see the world as the Lord sees it. 